Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the New Blocks. We've got another Zero X episode for you today. I got back from Iceland. Kevin recovered from Christmas and New Year's, and we're ready to bring you some more New Blocks action. Buddy, it's been way too long since we last talked. How are you? How you feeling? And did you have a good holiday? Yeah, had had a great little year there. It's been almost a month since we had a New Blocks episode, so yeah, definitely felt a little overdue. Uh, we have notes prepared for a few episodes, uh, in the numeric educational category, but it seems like a, a fitting, uh, recap to just start with a zero X, talk about what we've been up to recently. And, you know, enough time has passed. I think we've, we've accrued enough things on our to-do list. Uh, yeah. What have you been up to? I mean, yeah, tell us a little bit more about Iceland in particular. Iceland is awesome. I've been having some fun role playing as a model. Did a nice photo shoot on the rocks. Just tweeted another picture today. I'm going to put those together as like a little modeling collection. That. Um, that's just, a, you know, pretty. a lot of fun. It makes you feel alive to get out in the cold and strip down yeah, in your undies. What was the temperature there? Uh, it was like negative five Celsius. So like, I don't know, okay. uh, 25 so, Fahrenheit or something, yeah. maybe a little bit lower. Very cold. Not, yeah, not like crazy, crazy cold, but like definitely cold. It was, uh, maybe five to 10 mile per hour winds. So, uh, it was gusty. That's for sure. But, sure. um, yeah, I'm loving Iceland. There's definitely a vibe there and, uh, some great food, great water, clean air. I feel like it's everything I need, Kevin. It's got all those great high quality natural resources and it's got decent internet it's wired up great time zone same time zone as london sign me up bud that's helpful yeah i mean you've got a lot nearby too and the remind me again how many hours of the day are sunlight now at this time of year yeah so it, it moves around it's the the darkest day of the year is uh what was it the 20th december 20th so every day after that you get like four more minutes of daylight time so okay. uh, at the the darkest, it's like four and a half, five hours of sunlight, something like that. So okay. it, it never really becomes like super, super bright. And most of the time, most of the day is kind of like sunrise into a sunset almost. It's a little bit hard to explain, but I don't know. It didn't really bo seem to bother me that much. I took a vitamin D supplement. We spent a lot of time indoors anyway, you know, bought some NFTs, worked on some Axie stuff, made some roadmaps, drank some coffee, watched some Netflix. It was pretty fucking awesome. I felt right at home. Nice. What percent of it was fun versus work, mm. would you say? Well, work is fun, Kevin, so it's hard to draw clear oh, lines. Good answer, good answer. Um, I don't know. I mean, for real, though, like, what do you call work? You know, like, just yeah, Axie know. work, okay, but, like, is, like, writing a blog for Zyori TV, like, is that work? I don't know. It's kind of work. It's kind of fun. It's kind of my hobby. It's kind of my brand. So, yeah, it, yeah kind of 50-50. It was definitely a workcation. Um, sure. I feel like my job is sort of always on. And we, we had a, an issue with some wind trading on uh, our leaderboard where somebody was you know, getting, getting free wins. So uh, we had to issue a punishment there and deal with that. And that happened like a couple days before New Year's, I think. So um, yeah. eh, rather stressful, you know, when you're talking about like NFTs and people's assets and earnings and stuff. It's uh, it's tough if if you don't make a you know some kind of punishment that it feels like you're okay with cheating and any punishment you do levy, it's like damn, you just took away somebody's assets. It's uh, it's tough. That was intense. Yeah. You ever that's, been brigaded on social media by uh, folks from the Philippines? They're intense, dude. They uh, they know how to cut right to the core. That's for sure. 
I mean, I haven't, but I have seen your uh, threads anytime that we post about the new blocks or if I just, you know, see you in my feed and look through. Um, yeah, it doesn't look a lot of doesn't look like a lot of fun from what I can tell. What, how would you describe the brigade at the moment? I mean, it's like it's not dissimilar from the sniff sniff thing. Now it's not that bad. You know, like the SLP okay. stuff isn't really a brigade. It's just sort of a, yeah, a spam, like I would say. Angry. But the brigade yeah. is like this really targeted, you know, like this person was, they were streaming themselves. And when they were matched up against their friends, they were asking their friends to like lose intentionally. So um, that's like obviously a really big deal, especially at the high end. If you're like fighting for first place, like every win really matters and stuff with yeah. that kind of, matchmaking system so he was doing this live on stream and had like 900 viewers at the time so he was somebody that was like rather popular and uh yeah that his fans really rallied against us and me in particular uh as like the person that kind of had to make this final decision so it, it's just very targeted very focused you know it's just hundreds and hundreds yeah. of people that are all like spamming you on different channels with really mean aggressive hurtful stuff and it's uh you know, you, you know it's not forever and it'll fizzle out, but it's definitely intense for a couple days there. I've been through it a couple times, K Dog. So, eh, you know, once you go through the ringer a few times, it gets a lot easier to deal with. The first yeah. couple aren't so fun though. It's not your first rodeo, so I guess that helps. No. Well, yeah, I, you know, that's that's uh, uh, sorry to hear you're going through that. That's that's a little annoying. I mean, it's yeah, this it's is not good. an easy seat. You're you're sort of the face of a of a. I mean, big... that, that was three weeks ago at this point, so uh, yeah. we're we're good. You know, I, we're kind of yeah, over that true. one. But you know, we're, we're going to stand up like an in, uh, in competitive integrity council that will help you know kind of deal with this stuff. And you know, it's kind of a segue into our topics tonight, like at building everything in Axie with Axie DAO in mind. So we want to get away yeah. from these single point of failure, sort of centralized, hey, Zayori decided that we need to punish this guy to there's like a council that has some sort of representation and rotating seats and all this kind of stuff and some sort of a framework that allows us to, to kind of self-govern uh, in some sense. So it's it probably will lead to a, a good outcome in terms of forcing us to build more of that framework and and prioritize it and yeah that's yeah that's i think a lot of times in this space when people talk about DAOs, they throw it in with the buzzwords of everything else they'll they'll talk about like launching an nft in the same breath as saying like they're going to start a DAO, but like that it's more of like a the DAO is sort of like the horizontal platform it's the layer zero it's the people that are involved in whatever the project is and that project might involve nfts it might involve you know using DeFi and, and different protocols um but like it's good to hear that that uh the the dow is is like something that you're that the team is thinking through and i i think for people that are just entering this space it's easy to be like hey i'm gonna go do a dow that does this like think the term DAO should really be in your mind, like synonymous with like a company, but like even more complicated than that, right? Like, well, at least we have a framework for how to start a company. Like we're right now in the process of building frameworks for starting DAOs. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the uh, the work that you'll, that will go into the, um, the Axie DAO, I'm imagining is gonna be useful as sort of like a guide in terms of guidance for other teams that are 
going from creating this like very you know large user base large platform that they need to then remove themselves from and and like kind of you know you build the thing with the centralized team and that's you know the sort of necessary beginning point but the end goal for a lot of the space is to like make sure that we democratize access to it now right. as you're as you're having those conversations what um like what what does that look like and um what are the pieces that are going to be at play for for axie uh in terms of like different councils and that kind of stuff yeah like i guess you you have a lot of specific uh challenges that you're overcoming so like that council that you mentioned is really going to be something yeah. that's like you know maker dow is doesn't have to deal with that sort of a yeah thing. so like so, within the gaming world we have these specific things we can latch on to and i think one of the verticals is like esports and you know call it competitive integrity but any kind of like cheating match fixing you know stuff that has to do with ethics and competition um, I think that's explicitly different from something like uh, a terms of service enforcement committee that has to do with other kind of like community based like terms of service violations. For example, like Axie 1 million when somebody used that script to breed 100 axes and like take yeah. up the whole block and like guarantee that they get Axie 1 million. Um, how do we handle these kind of situations where it's not explicitly written in the terms of service? It could maybe be covered under one of the more kind of broad sort of like God clause type things. But ultimately, again, we want to get towards more like committees and group consensus uh, game balancing. That's another one now where that's yeah, like being opened sense. up to the community and where at least having people submit proposals and using that data to help make some of the decisions. And in the future, if we have scenarios where, you know, halfway through the season, we find out, wow, this interaction is really broken. And there's that forever argument of like, is this a bug? Is this an exploit? Or is this just a creative use of game mechanics? Those are three kind of distinct things that blur together on this same spectrum. So it, it's a judgment call at a certain point of, uh, you know, we, this happened in Axie in the last season where there was an interaction that I, I would call a bug. Others would call just a a game mechanic that was overtuned, but if you change it suddenly, you know you're changing the the value essentially of somebody's investment relative to that the utility of that NFT in the arena. So um, it's just tricky, and I, I think instead of us deciding, we would rather let the community decide. And even if it's, if it's an imperfect system and it's not the official DAO and it's not an official proposal, we still want to try to get some of that feedback and get a pulse check and go. All right, if two thirds of the vocal community think that it's better for us to change it then hey let's let's change it you know that's some sometimes you have to make a decision right you just come to a fork in the road and not doing something is a decision and doing it is also a decision and you just you have to decide you know it's not going to appease everyone so at the most basic level you, you've got to start to involve the community and at least hear their feedback in the decision making even if it's like an informal process i think that's the first yeah. step that shows the commitment I'd even argue that like how the decision was made could be sometimes as important as the decision that is made. Like a lot of times, um, if the two choices are like just different and like one is not clearly better than the other, then you it really does matter more uh, like how it was made. And I think, um, you know, community involvement in this space does seem to be the big uh, differentiator where mm -hmm. if um, I, I, I see this a lot with OpenSea on Twitter and people talking about 
the recent like looks rare airdrop or the SOS airdrop um, where I, I saw there was a VC who was like, all these people are complaining that like OpenSea uh, isn't releasing a token and like they're they're basically just like looking for handouts and like that's not that's not what's happening. What's happening is people see OpenSea as like a company that has seen incredible success in the NFT space and they um, have a business model that is not only like functioning but it is functioning uh, like very well to the point that they're they're bringing in with their whatever it is like their 2.5 percent fee on all trades um it's like billions of dollars in trades are happening so like they're taking a, a per month um and they are they are seeing a big piece of that pie um and i think the fact that OpenSea is like taking money from the community taking money from vcs um and like not really signaling that they're interested in in the web three ethos like they are kind of a web two company or you might call their application like a web 2.5 application because it uses you know wallet connect you got to connect your metamask you're interacting with nfts mm -hmm. but the business model is very web two um and so i think you know this is just segue back to what we were just talking about like um i think in this space the way that decisions are made are oftentimes as important as the decision itself and like the um you know involving the community making sure that you're um you're helping people share in the upside um i think that's where OpenSea is going wrong and where it seems that axie is trying to do better it is going to be interesting though like there's probably a name for this conundrum it feels like one of these crossing like where you have two sliding scales in the opposite direction on the same chart where as NFTs and crypto get more mainstream and we bring in more users that care more about like the interface and the usability than they do the back end and the nuts and bolts and the ethos, um, you have this kind of competing uh, incentive structure where OpenSea might be rewarded for forever being a Web 2.5 company because the mass audience cares more about Web 2.0 and Web 2.5 values. Like you and I are in the minority of people that are like, you know, builders and on that side of like creating the infrastructure and really caring about the technical aspect of it. Most people care about the usability and that experience on OpenSea when it's working and how easy it is to kind of show things off and store them. But it does feel like for how big it is, there are some like basic features where it could definitely, I mean, you can say the same for Axie as well, but I, you know, as I was cataloging stuff for my taxes, it could definitely export data a lot better and a lot more easily. It could definitely show you like a dashboard of how your your investments, so to speak, of all your NFTs are looking based on your cost basis of what you paid and what percentage you're up and how your portfolio is doing. And like there, there could be a whole portfolio layer on top of that. It just doesn't exist for, for some strange reason. Right. And as someone that's minted a collection with my dreads, that experience is it works. It's a little rudimentary. It's labeled a little weird. I think they use the word mint in a very strange way. Um, to them, mint is like, just put it in our database. And to me, mint is like fucking ship it to the blockchain. And they call that yeah. freeze. So um, there's like also sort of, uh, 
I don't want to say hijacking of lingo, but I would call it a creative use of lingo where I would almost say it's disingenuous to call that minting. I, I don't think putting the stuff yeah. in the OpenSea database that I, I don't think it gets shipped to the blockchain until you freeze it. Although maybe it does. No, I guess it does. I don't know I exactly it, how it works. It's like a weird middle state. I think it depends. I think what you, how you're describing it is correct. And I think it's like when someone purchases it, purchases it from you, they are the one who in their transaction to purchase it are paying the fees to like have it minted. I'm not totally but, sure. Yeah, because but this- that's true. But then it can still change. So like the dread, what, I've sold like six dreads or something, right? I haven't frozen any of them. So even like the one that you bought, if you said, hey, I really don't like frozen. the label, I can still change it. And then even okay, though so maybe it you own it. So it's like you okay. own it on like definitely through OpenSea's platform, but is it actually on the blockchain? And what OpenSea stores on the blockchain is a little bit weird. Like they almost have this proprietary, is it, is it a roll up, I guess, that kind of gets gets plopped onto the blockchain at the end? It's... It's not a roll-up, but I think what you're describing... like It's like a uh, package. So, yeah, yeah, maybe. And I'm wondering if even there's like differentiation when we say like on the blockchain, there is like, you know, there is an NFT contract that exists separately from OpenSea and like, you know, the the state of it then lives on in someone else's wallet. Whereas what they may do in addition to like keeping things in their own private database is have like a larger open sea set of smart contracts where they store mm. state on chain, but like with their own custody of it separately. I, I need to read more about how they do it, but yeah. I know that is one area like to your point, users care more about user experience. And I, I'm not, I definitely not disagreeing there. I think that like, as this space evolves, the winners will always be the ones that reduce friction for users as much as possible. Um, my thought is that when a lot of the challenges of making a more decentralized version of X, Y, or Z uh, are continued to be solved, then, uh, like, you know, compare this to something like Uniswap. Like, to make a decentralized version of an automated market maker, is now much easier than making a market maker. Like it's easier for me to clone Uniswap than it is to go create a company like Coinbase where mm-hmm. I like am effectively doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get to the point where creating a decentralized, like a, full, a more fully decentralized NFT marketplace, and we get to a point where like that user experience is uh, like the friction points have been kind of uh, sanded down, then in a long-term sense, I anticipate that um, the ethos of the community um, is like the thing that will be more of the deciding factor in the winner. So like in both cases, if I have a, mm-hmm. a centralized OpenSea and a decentralized OpenSea with the same um, you know, user experiences, then I'm, I'm anticipating that over time we will probably start to see more continued movement toward the decentralized side, if that makes sense. I hope so. I, I understand what you're saying, and I want to believe that you're right, but I also think it's like a little weirdly optimistic. Um, and that's Possible. that's where like I've been stuck on this kind of thought process with DAOs, and it kind of goes back to one of the first questions I asked in uh, my interviews to, to come on board the Axie team. Like, okay, so this game's going to become a DAO, which means it'll be governed by the players. 
what happens if we hand it off and then they just vote for a bunch of really short-term decisions and they all cash out and then the whole thing crashes? And they kind of paused for a second and went, well, yeah, there's a risk that could happen, but that's a pretty strong incentive for us to build systems that you know try to mitigate that and encourage the opposite sort of behavior. And I think that's that's really amazing and a really cool goal and like a noble pursuit. Um, but sometimes I worry, like, is that actually possible? You know, I, you know, Hyper and I have been talking about this kind of stuff a little bit recently, and a few times it's kind of come back to this one point where he says, "Dude, I don't know the solution to human greed." Like, I, you're just you're asking me like a question that extends beyond blockchain or something. Smart contracts can't solve the human condition. You know, it can yeah. only solve these little parts of it and some of the ways that we interact with each other. But um, you know, outside of like cloning Vitalik, how do we stop people from abusing these, you know, kind of centralized PowerPoints that seem inevitable anytime you want to scale a system? Um, because efficiency yeah. really becomes a big issue at a point. So it just makes me wonder about DAOs in general, and especially Axie as a live experiment. Um, I've been thinking more and more recently about how we mitigate that, how we structure around that. And like this recurring fear that I have of like psyops of people that come in that pretend to be good actors and say all the right stuff in the short term, but really they're playing this long term, like five years from now, they're going to backstab us because they've been working on a game the whole time and they're just leveraging all their information as like a, you know, community insider or like they get elected to the Axie Senate and they're actually like a plant from another game that's just trying to tear it all down. Like that's the shit that keeps me up at night, dog. Yeah, I, I could see that. Like, I think a lot of this is uh, like when we talk about DAOs in the framing that this is like a new way to organize humans, like it is and it isn't. Like at the end of the day, uh, the challenge of human governance is something that we've been trying to solve since the beginning. And like what you're describing is the difference between like, you know, a democracy and a republic or like the like at what what level of 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 involvement on an individual basis is too much like these are the the questions that politicians and mm -hmm. like philosophers have been asking for a while and i don't think that like daos are just going to bust open the door and be like we figured it out like i think of it more from the perspective <laughs> of um like this just being an an additional set of tools that allow for more nuanced um, like tweaking within the the problem set that we've been dealing with for a while now. Like, I think, right. wouldn't it be cool if I had the ability to even just like tell my representative uh, uh, in Congress, like anything that I was at all interested in, in a way that... Um, had any like meaningful input to their data set like mm -hmm. yes i can go write them an email or call them on the phone but like imagine if we had like a sort of democracy level dao or even if it was just like a town specific dao whether it was like even blockchain related or just like in dao in like a general sense i i, I think of this space as like more tooling that we can build more interesting things that yeah. allow for more like auditability and transparency in that process right it's like the system being more transparent kind of changes the game theory around it and fundamentally yeah. how groups of humans interact with the system and i i have heard pushback from outsiders or like crypto skeptics 
that have said, you know, all this stuff could exist in the real world already. Like we don't need blockchain or NFTs for all of the game studios to make IP that are cross-platform with each other. Like that's totally possible right now. And it's like, yeah, but what humans could do is not the same thing as what humans do do. And when you change the basic foundation of the system to have all these transparent layers in it, it changes what humans do do. And it, it maybe closes that that gap a little bit. And I think that's like a really powerful meta concept that often gets overlooked and is maybe a little bit hard for people to digest at first. But um, a lot of things are possible, right? Like we, we, you're, you're kind of right. At, at the most optimistic level of collaboration, you don't need these tools. You know, like we could have a community yeah. where we run our own blockchain and our community is just the one node and the one validator of the blockchain. And we all trust ourselves that nobody's sneaking in at night and messing with the computer while everyone else is, is passed out, you know. But um, why do that when you can build a system that has... You know, every house has a little node in it and there's a whole bunch of validators spread all over the town. And then that way, you know that like the system is a lot more tamper proof in nature. So you have more confidence in it. And that creates just a totally different feedback loop in terms of the the social mechanisms that come into play. So anyway, I think you're totally right. But I do still stay optimistic on this stuff, despite, you know, worrying about the dark side. I mean, it's it's it is good to have like, um you know, take in the the valid criticisms, especially of, you know, this this entire space is still very early days. And um, I, I think this is one of these things where until a lot of the things that we talk about are actually like ironed out and in reality, um, there there's always like room for um, more. Uh, of these like fears to come true. Like, you know, this idea of, of having people um, infiltrating your Axie DAO and like getting elected to a Senate, like this could very well be a, a thing that we're talking about in a few years that happens in, in a past tense. Um, but like, I, I, I try to think uh, through a lot of this stuff from uh, like, as, broad and as early days perspective as possible because i i do anticipate that like a lot of the problems that were that are being solved right now like upon solving them allow for entirely new sets of problems to be worked on and like the tooling just keeps getting better and better and um you know uh, this entire space is just based on like changing the game theory to allow better incentive alignment between builders and users and i think as long as we keep you know ironing out what that means in these different specific cases, I feel like we're moving in the right direction. I mean, absolutely. Ozzy Osbourne is about to drop the Crypto Bats, a collection of 9,666 unique uh, generated NFTs. And dude, it, they're going to partner with the Cyber Kongs and the Sup Ducks and the Apes, and then they can interact. Uh, I think you can you can lick the bat, and then the bat changes. I, and I like, take back everything I just said about these being early days. I think we've, we've peaked, actually. Dude, I think this is the pinnacle. We're there. Ozzy played uh, at BlizzCon, and now he's going to bring it home here in the crypto world we've really come full circle but um, no I, I think you're right uh, and having better tooling is definitely uh, really helpful and it's interesting to see how DAOs 
have been evolving now with these, I guess what people are calling vampire attacks, like the, you know, hey, you use OpenSea and then we're going to airdrop tokens based on your OpenSea usage. And it's sort of a direct attack on the audience that uses a platform. And it's, it's kind of creative in the sense that all this stuff on blockchain is open and uh, like transparent and auditable. So that means it can just be leveraged in a very automatic way to determine who deserves tokens based on usage. Like the same thing's happening with Ethereum gas fees, same thing. Like whoever's burned the most gas is going to get more tokens for this. I forget the name of it, but this other airdrop. Uh, Gas.wtf. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. So um, it's sort of a cool experiment. I'm actually not super bullish on all these airdrops. I got SOS and I liquidated it immediately and bought a solar bot. So um, yeah, what's up? I, you know. I, I wish you were more addicted to NFTs the same way that I am, Kevin, because I feel like I have developed a little bit of a problem. And I felt it happening like three months ago. I was like, man, this feels really good to just be like, what can I buy? Let's go shopping. And then I did that for too many months in a row. And now I'm really trying to reel myself in. But, you know, I mean, what would I do if I, I didn't have a Megatoad? A year from now, I'd look back and be like, fuck, dude, much. why didn't I buy a Megatoad when much. they were only two ETH? <laughs> now they're 20 ETH. <laughs> Ah. Uh, I mean, it's like I think of okay. First, I I looked at my SOS uh, airdrop, and it wasn't even going to be worth the gas fees to claim um, because I just haven't really used uh, uh, OpenSea enough yeah. to to make it worth it. Uh, I mean, I can see this is like the same feedback loop that happens when you are, like it was happening in DeFi and like 2020 where like you couldn't make a bad move like literally anything that you're putting your money into was like 2xing and then like 10xing uh in like short periods of time and i think despite the fact that the crypto markets are down right now um nft markets have not followed suit in the same way like they are retaining their eth denominated value which is a really cool um I don't mean cool from a perspective of like, ooh, great, like we're we're not losing our money here, but it's cool that it's not USD denominated. Like I think that's really intriguing, and I'm excited that uh, NFTs priced in ETH it makes ETH money, and that's not just a meme anymore. Like that's just how people are thinking right. in terms of ETH. Like um, so, some of these collections are actually like holding value. They're they're actually a store of value. Not all of them. But this like sweeping theory that all NFTs are the same as Beanie Babies, I think is a very reductionist comparison. And it's more like specific NFT collections will be like Beanie Babies, but some of them will be actually kind of here to stay and continue to expand the utility and continue to do cool stuff. I mean, Bored Apes is just the floor has continued to rise. The amount of more the amount of people buying into it and like celebrities and stuff is also rising. Um I don't know. It's it's yeah, kind of wild. The blue chips the are beanie, really blue chip. The Beanie Babies example is another. I mean, it's it falls into the kind of like right click save mentality that we talked about in the last episode, where like you know I would I would buy into that if Beanie Babies were also connected to a like global network where you had the ability to like seamlessly trade them with people anywhere in the world and then like use them in connected to this financial system where you can like tie interesting tools to them and then you can also connect them to get access to communities and like part like 
they're nothing like Beanie Babies in a in a general sense, but of course, like specific NFT series will absolutely go the way of the Beanie Baby. So if if you want to make like broad sweeping characterizations, I think there are probably better examples than Beanie Babies. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and, you know, one of the other DAOs that's caught my mind that absolutely could have an NFT future. This Blockbuster DAO, this one that wants to buy like buy Blockbuster. Uh, because there's like what one left, so the I and then there's the IP, like there's Blockbuster Corporate, yeah. so they want to buy it out, turn it into a DAO, and then launch it as like a, a streaming service or something. I think I remember reading some of the headlines, and at first that I thought it right. was kind of stupid and just a dumb meme, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, this is almost the perfect application of a DAO. This idea where a lot of people that are spread out that all have this shared passion and nostalgia for this thing can come together and because it's been abandoned and be beaten and battered by the traditional business world, it's actually affordable. You look at like, what, what <laughs> what's a Blockbuster worth? It's like, oh, that's just a couple of double mystic axes. Oh, all right. That's not so bad. Like m money really yeah. changes uh, pers your perspective in the crypto world. Like you got to remember what, two trillion, three trillion in, in like USD value has been created just from cryptocurrency that has now you know, just come out of nowhere. Like Shiba Inu coin is just a token that somebody made up. And then once it's listed on an exchange and you can cash it out, that it becomes real money. That's just money that yeah. was created. So, And it's not just like a bunch of individuals getting rich in the space. It's like now you have the ability to, I mean, the Constitution DAO is another example of this, where like the average donation for Constitution DAO was, I forget what it was. It was like a hundred dollars is that sound I thought, right I, I thought it was lower actually might but, have been yeah, lower yeah you're right. um it, it, it's like as soon as you have the ability to just like pull funds from anywhere in the world like you get to start to do crazy stuff so i i'm definitely interested in following blockbuster dow uh i don't know if you saw radioshack.com now like radioshack is doing a similar pivot where like they're just like the top uh thing on there is like what is radioshack defi Radio Shack oh is a 100-year-old brand embedded into the global consciousness, and we are going to lead the way for blockchain tech to reach mainstream adoption by other large brands. Like they they did a full-on like 180 pivot into making an automated market maker. <laughs> are you serious? Um, that... I'm I'm not joking at all. Yeah, if you go to Radio that's real Radio Shack. That's real Radio Shack. Their actual main website where you can like buy a soldering iron you have to go to their uh like nav menu and it's like over in the shop section <laughs> and then it takes you back to their old site where you can buy a ham radio wow uh, it's pretty wild wow okay <laughs> okay go radio but i mean this check. is this is another interesting thing where like uh is comp usa these... gonna bring it back to like <laughs> staples maybe uh, staples is still around right yeah i think they're still crushing yeah. it do they have a discord radio shack has a discord get the hell it's out done. of here yeah this is the real deal okay. uh no i mean i think this is a, a an interesting case of like uh I don't, I don't know how well these old brands will fare because they these brands have nostalgia value in the minds of people our age and older mm -hmm. they don't necessarily in the next generation i don't think um so like I'll be interested to follow along. I I have my fingers crossed from a nostalgia perspective that like maybe they can make these things work, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I it's kind of blowing my mind right now. 
this uh, this new world, new world of money. And now we're starting to see the crossover, right? Uh, there's been a bunch of news recently with MasterCard. Um, I know yeah. one of it, part of it was related to Coinbase, right? And there, because now Coinbase is doing an NFT marketplace. I also think GameStop yep. is doing an NFT marketplace yep. of some sort. I It does make me wonder a little bit, though, like, all right, as much as we complain about OpenSea, People kind of said the same thing about Twitch and Justin TV at one point. There were all these streaming platforms right. and all of them overpromised and basically all of them underdelivered. Like it's not like Twitch just got lucky and that's why they became the ones that won and then yeah. it was just like YouTube and Facebook that had huge followings then they were that they were able to pivot. But everyone else that just started as a streaming platform like own 3D and like Daily Motion and all these others they didn't really make it. Twitch just had a superior user base and usability to it. Like maybe Coinbase can do it. I, I, I like. Does the Coinbase wallet even make a dent compared to MetaMask, though? Like I, I feel Great like question. I haven't looked at this. I, I feel like even though Coinbase is huge for Americans like myself, um, you know, it was one of the first exchanges that I used to buy crypto. Uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that it had a really easy user experience, and I, I see why it's a big draw for other people. But like you know, globally, is is Coinbase that that big of a deal? You know what I mean? Is like uh, is that NFT marketplace really going to take that much volume? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. Like, even if we're complaining, especially from the perspective of like, if we're over here saying that OpenSea is too centralized, like, do we actually think that the the game stops of the world are going to come out with like the yeah, bro? The, I mean, decentralized versions probably not uh and from your point like coinbase is big in the u.s but it is not nearly as big as like the binances and there's a few other exchanges um in the uh above coinbase from that perspective i know after our last episode uh in december there was also news that mastercard and consensus were uh partnering to launch an l2 a layer two where basically you can think of like the MasterCard network as uh, now beginning or or having a network that is beginning to settle on Ethereum, which mm -hmm. is really cool. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, this is like the stuff that we had been talking about for years as like where this was all going um, and seeing it happen is is still wild. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe one final news piece here that we can can wrap this up on Microsoft making the big decision to buy Activision Blizzard. Uh, Activision Blizzard have been partnered for a while. They share a, a token or a token, a, a ticker uh, on the stock market. But this was a $70 billion acquisition. I think uh, for reference, like LinkedIn was $26 billion when Microsoft bought that. So this is a staggering amount of money. Uh, there aren't that many massive game studios left to be bought. And what's even more interesting is in the byline of the press release, it said that this was specifically for metaverse purposes. Like they want to build yeah. their metaverse, which makes me think that, you know, this is going to be sort of a Facebook and co uh, kind of like, you know, Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard and co kind of conglomerate. And they're both going to try to build the metaverse, uh, which obviously I, I think we disagree with that definition of multiple metaverses. The metaverse is the one that while they're battling over that, we're going to be over here building in this decentralized world where it all works together. You know, this sandbox and Decentraland, Axie, Ethereum clone kind of crossover, totally different vision for the singleton metaverse. But um, it is fascinating. And to bring it back to that mainstream audience, man, 
this is as mainstream as it gets. I can't wait to see Microsoft and Blizzard butcher the hell out of this. Uh, I mean, this is. <laughs> I was going to ask something. you, like, what's your take here? Because I haven't really spent the time to like grok this. Like, I, I just see the numbers. I see it's this is huge, uh, huge amount of money. Like, I still have a, a sad spot in my heart when Activision took Blizzard out behind the woodpile and 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 ended it didn't end it but like it seems like that was like kind of the straw that broke the camel's back to the point where most people kind of realize that blizzard isn't the same I mean, blizzard that think they about used to. world of warcraft on the game pass now the xbox game pass it has 35 million yeah. subscribers uh that could be the thing that kind of saves blizzard which i agree has been limping along i think the blizzard ceo is insanely uh unpopular right now um, right. so I, you know, candy crush is a big money maker. I think call of duty's business model is completely outdated and their audience yeah. is getting more and more burned out of this. Like, why am I buying the same game over and over every year? Overwatch is a total disaster. The overwatch league was uh, a flop at this point. And, uh, overwatch two is more like story based. And I don't know. I I'm just not optimistic. Uh, the Diablo franchise has been in a rough place. Diablo four might be really cool, but super slow to make world of Warcraft. They've, the best part about World of Warcraft is World of Warcraft Classic and Remastered, which is the game that they made 20 years ago. So I don't know if that's really a great... <laughs> so like when you break it down, Candy Crush is like one of the best parts of that Blizzard IP, especially I think when you look at the revenue. So it, it's an interesting idea. I mean, I think it's all right for Microsoft. They have a rough history of acquisitions, you know, like what they did with Skype, but they bought GitHub and LinkedIn not that long ago, and it's been pretty seamless, and it's almost like we didn't really notice. So I, I think it could be okay. I think the metaverse thing is a pretty pretty small target, though. Um, like, you got to get this stuff right. It's It's not just like... Like the way they wrote it, it says Nadella says the deal, quote, will play a key role in the development of metaverse platforms. Um, okay. It's pretty open ended. You know, maybe they get it if this is just like built onto Ethereum and they just want to take, you know, Diablo IP and like, you know, sell grandfather's sword NFTs that we can eventually use in like, you know, a blockchain Diablo hack and slash. There's a world where you could build that and make the scarcity really cool and make the items actually valuable and cash in on that nostalgia and get people really hype. But again, I think that's like a like a two, one or two percent out of a hundred that you have to hit to to really make that right. And there's a much higher chance they get sucked into this like battle with Facebook and it's all just highly centralized. You know, yeah. Wait, yeah, they're was... NFTs, but what's the point when it's like a totally um, you know, proprietary. If they launch on Tezos, dude, it's all over. <laughs> I mean, that's that's. I have a legitimate fear that like one of these big companies is going to be like, we're gonna we're gonna bring everyone into the metaverse, and then it's just like, and we picked like Tezos or EOS or Binance to do it, and it's like, oh god. I mean, like, I'm not I'm not terribly worried from the longer term perspective, but like that feels like it'll set us back sometime. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think the, the yeah, I, I have the same question as you, right? Like, what does this actually mean uh, that to be in that metaverse space? Like, they could still be building interesting things while tying into the trust foundations that have been built in the crypto world. So, like, th this may not be mutually exclusive with the metaverse vision that you and I talk about, but 
it's it's unclear because like we just don't have enough information about it. I mean, same goes with with Facebook Meta too. Like they could, in theory, decide that like okay, they see where things are going. It makes sure. sense to build on the most credibly neutral platform. Let's build like a VR chat that works in Ethereum world or something like that. Like maybe that that's probably their best case to like make something that's useful or valuable. But and that might be the inevitability of it. Cause I do believe these companies at the end of the day will chase money and market pressure. So like if Facebook yeah. tries to launch another token and nobody buys into it, or they try to launch their own chain and nobody buys into it. And then they launch yeah. something on Ethereum and it actually does get adoption. They're, they're just going to follow what the audience wants at the end of the day. That's capitalism right. in a nutshell, right? So to me, that is a big part of what this stuff is going to come down to. And, you know, they'll either do their research and figure it out or they'll learn the hard, hard way. Like, was it Ubisoft, I think, that we saw recently yeah. did that, that launch and it was a, a total flop? Um, I, I think that's the more likely outcome, but I want to be optimistic. I mean, th dude, this I'm seeing so many parallels to the early esports days where it's like, ooh, this is a big commitment. If these guys slay it, this is great. If these guys don't pay out this prize pool, that's going to set us back a couple of years. You know, like it, it feels like you're always in this yeah. delicate balance of this is really exciting news, but. Um, you know, I mean, remember our love-hate relationship with Elon? At first, it's like, hey, wow, this guy's bringing a lot of publicity to Dogecoin and Bitcoin. And then he starts uh, doing a bunch of wacky shit. And it's like, now we're sort of watching our market tumble and cycle based on this guy's Twitter account. Uh, this yeah. isn't a fun game anymore, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to stay positive, buddy. This is really exciting. I mean, this is a big move. I think this really does verify at a high level Metaverse is here to stay. NFTs are here to stay. This stuff isn't yeah. just a fad. There is mainstream, like, I'm not saying Bitcoin and, and Ethereum are too big to fail, but it seems like they've hit this scale now where huge, huge companies, serious backing and, you know, financial capital are now willing to place like big bets on this technology. And that's, that's a huge affirmation. I pat yourself on the back, bud. You were ahead of the curve. You sniped it. You called it. If only I had sold my Litecoins for Ethereum when you told me to. I could be, I could be so much bigger. I could uh, have an Ethereum node. Fuck. Uh, fuck. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Wait for the next right. crash. I'm going to wait for the Tether crash and then bye, 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 buddy. Yeah, please. I, I, uh, we'll save that one for the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, um, always a pleasure to get one of these in. Why should be, we should be back to a slightly more regular cadence. I don't know if we'll keep hitting every week, but uh, definitely more than every month. Uh, we've been doing Twitter spaces as well. So make sure you give us a yeah. follow. There's a new, uh, the new blocks, I think on Twitter, uh, that's the, the podcast Twitter feed. And then Kevin and I have been hosting these, uh, weekly spaces with Mr. JD hyper. So, um, check them out. They're a lot of fun, a way to interact with us live ask questions and, uh, you know, get the latest scoop. Um, never financial advice, but we appreciate you joining us down this educational rabbit hole, and we'll certainly catch you on the next episode. Peace.